And uh, we have the privilege today of introducing Roman and Emily Seatech. Maybe some of you have never met them. Some of you remember them being here. Uh, Emily grew up at Cornerstone, our sister church in Eldridge. And just to give you a little information from your program, it says Roman and Emily are serving in Eastern Europe in a place which nearly a third of the population is working abroad and many others are searching for a way out. And the couples often ask, why do you stay? For them, the answer is very simple. God has placed in their hearts a desire to share a true and all-surpassing hope with those who remain in Moldova, to live their lives in a way that testifies to his extravagant grace and proclaims in love the goodness of walking in obedience to Christ. In a country that's plagued with problems such as human trafficking, alcoholism, and family violence, it is the couple's deep desire to reach out to the next generation of leaders, teaching them not only the principles for leading a healthy life, but modeling for them in a powerful way what it means to know and delight the way, the truth, and the life. Let's give a really warm welcome to Roman and Emily Seatech. Pacha Domnului tuturor vouă, or as it will sound in English, shalom to each one of you. Emily and I were so, so delighted to be today here at home in the area, even though it's one year later than we planned, um, our tickets were canceled last year, but God has his timing. And he so kindly reminds us all that he is in control. Amen? Amen. We are so delighted, our family, to be today with you. And we would like to thank you so much for, the, for your prayers, for your part, for your support in the mission of the Lord and the work that he is doing in Moldova. May our Lord receive it and may his name be glorified between the nations. I won't apologize this morning for my accent, um, even though I will confess that neither, neither having an American passport nor being married to a wife now for 10 years that was born in Midwest here in, in Iowa doesn't help with the accent all the way. <laughs> and uh, even our children, who uh, Henry and Josette, who are seven and five, even they observe that uh, sometimes their dad speaks a little bit different. Um, but you know, uh, I think heaven is the hope for us that w heaven will correct it all, right? <laughs> either, e either we will understand English with Romanian accent or we will all speak right, correct English, <laughs> which probably British people hope so. <laughs> but, um, well, um, I would like very much uh, today um, to meditate with you on the idea of sharing our lives as we share the gospel. And this subject is connected to a bigger subject, which is the mission of God. Um, and if you are not a, a new Christian, uh, you probably already observed that we as Christians, we um, would rather talk more about our intimacy with Christ and how to pursue an authentic intimacy in walking with Christ than talk about the missions of God. We would rather talk about how to be than our part in carrying out God's mission. And uh, uh, 
this this uh, intimacy of walking with Christ, it's a part of maturity, of Christian maturity. But Christian maturity and the mission of God are so interconnected together. Um, so many times this intimacy that Christian maturity is promising us, it is fine when we are practicing and we are participating in God's mission. Participating in God's mission, it's, it's, it's an intriguing part of our Christian maturity. Let's not forget that after all, Jesus' promise to be and I will be with you till the end of ages, it was given to us in the context of missions. In Matthew 28, where he is commissioning us as his disciples to make disciples. So I would like to us to turn to our text this morning. Um, it's, it's good for us to meditate today on the mission of God. As often as Christians can encourage each other. And we will do it this morning. And before we will turn our, um, to our text this morning to meditate, I would like to add that um, in Eastern Europe, we used to joke, if somebody is giving you a hard question that you don't know the answer, you can always answer it with the word Putin. It is, no matter, no matter what, it will be considered always to be a right answer. So this morning, we will answer the questions about missions with Jesus. It never can go wrong, right? But in this case, it is because Jesus' example has so much depth that we have so much to learn from it. Our text this morning is um, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. Those of you who have the Bibles with you or the apps, please, would you turn with me at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, which says, Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. I would like for us to think about the question, one of the questions that I would like for us to have in the background of our hearts, and even when we will leave the, the church this morning, when the service will be done, I would like for this question to keep searching our heart. And the question is, how did God intend for the sharing of our lives to play a central role in fulfilling his mission to the people that he's sending us to? How did God intend for the sharing of our lives to play a central role in fulfilling his mission to people that he is sending us to? Our text is saying this morning, um, it is written, because we love you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And when we first read this verse, um, it almost sounds as though there was something besides the gospel that Paul and his team were so delighted to share with others because they loved so much people of the city of Thessalonica. 
What is that besides the gospel? Is Paul adding something from himself? How about, how about other people? Why, why Paul is writing in such a way to Thessalonians? How about other people from other cities? Did he love them less so he shared with them just the gospel and not his life as well? Well, the key to answer this, those questions is in Act, Acts 17, where it gives us the context of Paul's evangelistic efforts in the city of Thessalonica. Um, even though we won't have time this morning to go deeper into study of those texts, the truth is that Paul was always, Paul, Paul was always sharing his life alongside the gospel story narrative. In all places, with all people that he shared the gospel, he shared both. And especially we see it um, in different places, in different cities, it looked different in different contexts, but we especially see it so clear when we look at Paul's life and we think about his own story of meeting Jesus and how this is intertwined with the message that he preaches. So the answer to why we find it implicitly in the other epistles that Paul is writing and so explicitly we find it in 1 Thessalonians, it is because his work among Thessalonians in the city was cut short abruptly. His work was his work was interrupted by turmoil caused by jealous Jewish people in the city. Because he had so little time of discipling with his new children in faith. He's writing to them explicitly something that they definitely observe, even though for a short time, but definitely so they experienced. And he's writing this way to them because he knows that this will encourage their hearts to do the same with those that they will share the gospel with. So why? Why we share our gospel as well? Where did where did Paul take this idea from? Why to share our gospel as well? It sounds so communal to share our lives with others in our individualistic culture. It sounds so personal, maybe too personal, to share our lives with others. I don't know how about you, but to me it sounds like more work and more complicated missions. The truth is that our fallen hearts, by default, are inclined to want the mission to be easier. Mission to be easier to take less of us, or mission to be less personal. We would love if in 99% of time, a simple one-size-fits-all gospel presentation would work and, and just would work in most of the times. We are tempted to think that if we would just gather crowds and expose them to the, the story, they will become instantly 
followers of Jesus. But missions is more complicated than we wish. And it, we, it, it's more complicated than we wish it, and we know it. Deep down of our hearts, we know it because it took more than one line of Jesus' story for our, our own hearts to follow him. Paul took this model from Jesus. Jesus and his example is the answer to why the spreading of the gospel goes hand in hand with sharing our lives as well. If the path to human hearts would be so easy, then why? Why God had to move into our human neighborhood? Why did he have to embed gospel and leave it among us, with us? As Becky Pippert, uh, one of the authors, says in her book, uh, Out of Salt Shaker, she says that God didn't make suddenly to reign over humanity with bumper stickers that would say, Jesus loves you. Because to get to the heart, it had to be personal. Jesus didn't just uh, descended from heaven, died for humanity, and went straight back. He came and lived his life with us. He shared his life with us because he loved us so much. And he wanted so much to get to the heart of us, to the heart of hearts, to all of us, where deep down where the transformation happens. His life came in such a proximity to ours, and he sacrificed it for us in order to fill our lives with him so we can live sacrificially in proximity to those that he sent us to. Again, his life came in such a proximity to ours, and he sacrificed it for us in order to fill our lives with him so we can live sacrificially in proximity to those that he sent us to. Why sacrificially? Because to embed the gospel, to let the gospel flow through us, to live a gospel-saturated life in front and with those that God sent us to, it will cost us. It will always cost us. It might cost us different things, but some of them will be unfashionable humility in a prideful world. It might cost us vulnerability in a world that is so, so tough, so looks unbreakable, so closed. It will cost us time. Time to stop, time to observe people, time to spend on them in a world that tells us that we don't have time, in a world that doesn't stop, in a world where so many people live in a self-centered, self-made own images on social media, in a world that whispers to our ears so loud that we don't have time. It will cost us emotionally as we get in touch 
with other people's problems of life, and Satan is right there to whisper to us that we can't deal with our own. It might cost us money, and money is power, and we like to keep it for ourselves. I'll be honest, there are days when our family wishes that missions, mission will be easier. Some days we wish that it will cost us less, not so much. We're just praying that on, when those days are coming, they are coming, we pray to the Lord that they, those days are coming on different days for Emily and I, so we can still encourage each other. See, for each one of us, when we obey the command of going and make disciples, it will cost us. And again, our, our human fallen hearts, we don't like costs. We don't want to complicate our lives. But an incredible thing has happened to us as believers. Jesus Christ redeemed us. He took us. He adopted us. He transferred us from the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of light. He changed us. And he keeps doing it till now. Right now, he keeps doing it with many people around us, around the world. He is on the mission still now, and he is inviting for us to be a part of what he is doing. A question how, how this seemingly impossible task will be ever be done? Jesus, Jesus will help us to pay joyfully the price of mission. He promised that he will be with us. The mission belongs to him. He will fulfill it. And he will give us crowns, crowns of glory. So many of you in the end of times will have in your crowns testimonies of transformed lives of Moldavians, Moroccans, Mongolians, Americans, and so on. It's so interesting to observe that mission belongs to him, and he is doing it through us in order to give us crowns so we can throw our crowns back at his feet as an ultimate act of worship when he will be seated on his throne of glory. It, isn't it beautiful? Isn't this worth it? Jesus shared his life with those that the Father gave him. Paul shared his life and gospel with those that God gave him. And Paul was called to probably a bigger neighborhood than all of us are called to. Are we sharing gospel and our lives with those that God gave us and sent us to. How do we think about our neighborhood? Jesus' neighborhood wasn't just the one that he grew up in Nazareth. Jesus' neighbors weren't just those that were living next door. 
Likewise, our neighbors are all those people that God put in our spheres of influence, in the circles of people that we directly and indirectly um, intersect and live with. Those are people that God gave us. Those are people that God is sending us to them to share our lives, the gospel that he gave us with them. All people, those from unbelievers, unbeliever relatives to those people that cut our hair, from those people that we are sharing office space with to those that we are buying our meats from. All those people that are in our spheres of influence. And for those of us who are parents and have children, let's not forget about our children who are also our disciples. May Jesus and his example this morning and not just May Jesus and his example remind us today, tomorrow, and the next that we are not just people who are sent by the Lord to be a part of his missions, but also we are people to who were, was given the example how to do it. May the Lord help us. May the Lord be with us as we will be a part of fulfilling his missions. May it cost us. May it cost us. It is worthy, isn't it? I invite you now to stand up with me and in just a couple of minutes to meditate and to pray as a response of your heart to the call of him to be a part of the mission that he does. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, so much for my brothers and sisters here at Pleasant View Church family that love your mission so much. Thank you, Lord, that you want to use us all to work in lives of those that you gave us. Lord, when we are weary, when the cost of obedience to your mission robs us uncomfortable, when we ache because people that we minister to are slow to change and resist walking with us, with you, please show up, Lord. Encourage us. Bring us, Lord, the perspective of eternity. Focus our eyes on you and fill us with unexpectable joy of living our lives missionally with the reality of your kingdom, Lord, before us. Glorify yourself through us, individually and as your church family. Amen. Thank you very much. You can be seated. If you observed this morning... Uh, in the meditation that we had together, I left out some examples. And this was with a purpose because I usually invite my wife to come here and to fill in by sharing some, a, a short mission 
uh, ministry update with you. Hopefully that this will fill in some examples of how we try by, by God's grace with him to implement some of these thoughts of mission and what he does in our life with those that God made us a part with of in Moldova in our context and also made you a part of by praying so much for us, for supporting us. So I would like to invite here Emily. I, I hope that Pleasant View is okay with women at the... At, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It is so, so sweet to be back with all of you this morning. Um, we had tried to come earlier in the summer, and my health wasn't that good, and so we needed to cancel. So thank you for your understanding and for your prayers. Um, we do try to come to Pleasant View as one of our first churches. Don't tell any other church that, but it is just so... We always do that when we come back because you all are so friendly, and it's so nice to just come to this warm family. Um, it's really a blessing to see all of you um, and just to be back. So thank you for your hospitality, your welcome, your prayers. Um, many of you are probably familiar with our family and ministry, but um, just in case, I'm Emily, this is my husband Roman, and we are missionaries over in Republic of Moldova. We have two small children. Actually, they're bigger now, seven and five. Henry is seven and Josette is five. Um, they are incredibly talkative, so if you run into them in the lobby, um, feel free to ask them questions, but don't ask Henry anything about Lego if you want to eat lunch at a decent time today, because he can just talk forever. I don't know where he gets it from. <laughs> um, just a little about Moldova. We are a former Soviet Union country. Um, we're nestled right between Romania and Ukraine over in Eastern Europe. Um, our official language is Romanian, but Russian is spoken there as well. Um, and as Pastor Ed mentioned, um, because we're a third world country, about a third of the population is all the time working abroad. People are trying to work in Italy or Spain, Portugal, Israel, sometimes Russia, just to get money to make ends meet. Um, and so that adds an interesting twist to ministry at times because people are so so much in transition. Our vision in ministry is really twofold. First, we're asking God to help us to build meaningful relationships with the neighbors and students um, and friends that he has placed in our lives so that we can share the greatest news on earth, the gospel, in a meaningful way. And start, I'm a little homesick for some of those people right now. Um, the second thing that we do is we focus on building up the believers in the country so that they can um, be equipped for effective evangelism and discipleship. Um, we would really like to be mindful of our time this morning, so we would share with you just two very short stories, um, and that will hopefully give a little bit better picture of what ministry looks like for us. So the first is with Denise, and sorry, it's Denise in Romanian, it's Dennis in English. I'll say Dennis. Um, Dennis and his girlfriend, Karina, they are two students that we met through 
a small nonprofit organization that God helped us to start um, in our city about six years ago. So Dennis and Karina finished a two-year leadership program that we teach and to, to high school students. And then after that, they attended one of our extreme camps. And it was sitting around a campfire one night with the youth that Dennis was just shooting one tough question after another, all related to our Christian faith. And um, it, we left the camp and thought, this is a really tough student, but we just kept praying for him. Um, and we ran into him about two or three weeks later, and Dennis, seemingly the biggest agnostic of all, came up to Roman in his brother's store. We were buying um, some school supplies, and he, we just happened to bump into him, and he was like, Roma, you mentioned a book or like something else we could do to explore Christianity. What Can you tell me more about that? And so we used Dennis's interest and his influence on the rest of the group, and we started a 10-week course on 10 of life's greatest struggles, and we taught that through the lens of the Ten Commandments um, to a handful of unbeliever university students. Um, after our Ten Commandments study finished, um, Dennis's girlfriend, Karina, joined a girls' book club with me, and that was such an incredible way to get to know her better. So we started um, with a book on relationships, uh, because university age girls love to <laughs> learn about that. And it was written from a Christian perspective. And um, after that, we moved on to some of C.S. Lewis's writing, which is thankfully translated into Romanian, um, and just really got to know her better through that. And then COVID hit. And uh, as the reality of it started to sink in more and more, we started to ask ourselves the question, who will lead the hearts of those students that we know? Students like Denise, Dennis, Dennis and Corina, who will point them to Jesus? And after a lot of thought and prayer, we wrote together a course online um, called How to Lead Well in the Time of Crisis. And we invited the students to jump in, uh, and those that were in quarantine in Moldova and those that were studying already in Romania, they jumped in, and we had a wonderful time. In the end of our meetings, we challenged them to look at the spiritual side of leadership, of Jesus' life. And uh, sure, Corina and Dennis said yes to th that too. Um, as you see, we let them be really close, and we got to know them well, they got to know us well, and a couple times they told us, we respect you guys so much for the way how you really live out the faith that you believe. But still, after so many, um, so many arguments for Christianity, talking about Jesus, they were not still choosing to follow Jesus. Um, and when the, when the regulations of pandemic started to lighten up in Moldova, uh, this couple was one of the first who came to dinner at our house. And I will not forget that day because they stayed till three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> 
at 3.40, I was back at home as they, I dropped them at their houses. And uh, this couple reminded me that I'm not so young anymore uh, as I used to be. And after three, four hours of sleep, I can't have a normal day next day. Um, but those late night conversations about faith, about Jesus, it made it all so worth of it. In 1 Thessalonians 2.8, Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica, we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well. And I think somebody else might have mentioned that verse this morning, but it's worth sharing again, I believe, because um, God really used Paul's teachings there to, um, I think, shape and inform our last three and a half years on the field. Um, we realize that students listen, they're attentive at our trainings, and they come to the different meetings and things, but they are watching so closely when we let them in to our lives, when we invite them into our homes. And I know that so much of the way I was discipled was, yeah, it happened at youth group, but so much around a kitchen table and watching another Christian woman, how she does life. And so we're trying to um, really be open and see who those students are that God wants us to really let in. And so uh, we see that it's in those moments when we get a, a flat tire in the middle of a snowstorm or the kids are pushing our buttons or dinner burns or um, the, the electricity is shut off or the water shut off, which happens a lot in our neighborhood <laughs> without much notice. They're watching to see how we're going to act and, and how is our faith in those moments. And so um, that has made a big impact these last few years. Looking back at our lives and seeing how much we were evangelized and discipled by simply doing life with mature Christians, we can't help but let those students and neighbors in our lives, in our, our, our home. We wish to say that Corina and Dennis already are followers of Jesus. Their, their faith journey is still in progression. But praise be the Lord, God gave us a, a, a position in their life, a position where we are heard and the gospel is spoken. A position that uh, so many people in Moldova don't have it. We would love if you will join us in praying for Corina and Dennis, for our neighbors, for so many other students that we are constantly in contact with. And then one other story that we'll share just really fast is about a family that many of you have been praying for since our last home assignment, and that is George and Mariana. And after years of building relationship with this couple, I met her, um, she actually cut my hair. Um, years of building relationship with them, um, answering questions, visiting different churches, um, just having meals together. God has worked the miracle of salvation in their lives. And they are now serving him with all their hearts in another country in Europe. Um, and so we are so excited for them. Um, and just that story has encouraged our hearts so much um, over this, this last term um, because we see how it's a process. Scripture describes 
evangelism, a lot of times God uses agricultural metaphors. And so we see that there's a lot of work that goes into preparing the soil and planting the seed, but it's just so worth it. Um, and so we see how God is restoring their marriage, how he's getting a hold of their little boy's life, um, and how he's using them. So Mariana called me uh, just recently and she was saying telling me we've moved to this new place and our neighbors below us speak Romanian and they're atheist and we've been having them over for dinner and I've got this list of questions that they're giving me what do I say <laughs> so we've been just talking back and forth and and also just talking about you know just keep loving them just keep loving them because they, they want answers but most they're they're wanting to know that you're you're accepting them as well um, another day she called me and she said, Emily, it's so incredible to be a stylist because I get to, as I'm cutting hair, you know, I listen to people's stories and then share my faith. And she said, it's like I'm a missionary. And I was like, yeah, you are. <laughs> so um, we just wanted to, to share that and to say thank you so much um, for your prayers. Prayer is so powerful, so powerful. Um, it's more powerful than financial support. Um, we, we believe that with all our hearts. We need, uh, we're praying for both in this time, but we really do appreciate your prayers. Um, God works miracles. He's faithful. So thank you. This is just a small picture of how ministry looks like f for us. And uh, some of those, uh, these stories uh, that we share, they show also some of the ideas that uh, we are teaching in a course called Relational Evangelism that we wrote on uh, during the time of pandemic um, to equip better believers that are few in the country uh, in uh, better discipleship and working with unbelievers. Um, so our time is almost uh, yeah, finished, and we didn't even mention a small um, a church plant that we just started to help with. Uh, but if you are receiving our prayer letters, you probably read uh, a little bit uh, about this, and you will read much more uh, as time comes. And if, if you don't, get our prayer updates and you would like it, we would love to, uh, for you to sign up at our little table in the foyer uh, with your email and we will send you our prayer letters. And don't forget also uh, one of our newer uh, prayer cards. The picture that you used this morning is, makes me feel good. I'm quite young there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, please, Feel free. We are praying during this time of our time at home that the Lord will um, widen up um, the team of those who are standing so faithful behind us and they are praying tremendously for the ministry that God is doing in Moldova. We are also praying that God will stir up the hearts of those that will partner financially to keep us funded, to be able to do uh, mission well at the at the um, level that God called us to do it there um, and to be a part of. Thank you again so much for letting us this morning serve and to be with you and worship with you. Um, thank you so much. May the Lord bless you.